The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Now great crowds accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not first sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. One morning, Abraham woke up early, got his things together, and went on a journey. He took along his son Isaac, his only son, whom he loved, and some wood and fire and a knife. If you had asked Abraham the day before to tell you about his life, he probably would have said that it was great. Things had been rocky for a while. He obeyed God and believed his promises, but he waited a long time, 99 years, before he had his son. He and Sarah had doubted for a bit, and that was a problem. But then God kept his promise. And now it seems silly. It seems silly to think that God wouldn't do what he said. Abraham loves God. He loves his wife, and he loves his son Isaac. Things are great. And Abraham was a good disciple. He was faithful. Paul calls him the man of faith. If you want to know what faith looks like, look at Abraham. But on this early morning, as Abraham saddled his donkey, all of that was suddenly in question. Everything had changed. The day before, God said to him, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt offering. God's words to Abraham turn my stomach. They turn my stomach just like the words of Jesus in our gospel lesson this morning. The crowds were flocking to Jesus, and so he paused. He paused to remind them just what they were getting into, what they were signing up for. If you come to me, and you don't hate those whom you love, 
you can't be my disciple. Now this is really, really tough for us to hear because hate is such an emotional word. It's really the same problem that we face with the word love. You know because it's been said time and again that love isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love is sacrificial. And it turns out that hate works the same way. To hear what Jesus says, we really have to get past our knee-jerk emotional reaction to the word hate. When Jesus talks about hate, he doesn't mean anger or rage or resentment or vengeance. He's not talking about something that comes from your gut. It's not wishing that someone were dead. It's not a feeling. Just like love, hate is sacrificial. Which, hate, which takes us then back to the words of Jesus. Hate those you love, he says. Sacrifice them, or you aren't my disciple. How can that possibly be? Really, the only way to grasp this is by analogy. Jesus wants you to hate those whom you love in the same way that Abraham hated Isaac, whom he loved. Look at the scene on Mount Moriah. On top of the mountain, there's an altar that Abraham built, and there's Isaac lying bound on top of the altar, on top of the wood that would burn the offering. And there's Abraham with his knife raised to slaughter, to sacrifice his son. Now you can exhaust yourself trying to make this scene easier to stomach. You can put a crazed look on Abraham's face in the hopes that he's just lost his mind. Or you can think that maybe there's been some falling out between Abraham and Isaac, and Abraham is just gripping the knife in a momentary fit of rage. Or you could steal a glance at the ram caught in the thicket and calm yourself by saying that God never really meant it in the first place. Or you can think that God is cruel, as though he enjoys watching us squirm. But of course, none of that works. There's no way around it. God told Abraham to kill his son, whom he loved, and Abraham listened to God because Abraham was a disciple of Jesus. This morning, Jesus tells you to hate those whom you love, and you could exhaust yourself trying to make it easier to stomach. Maybe he just means that we shouldn't love them as much as we love God. Or maybe he wants us to hate the sin but love the sinner. Or maybe he's just gone off the rails. After all, whatever happened to honor your father and mother and husbands love your wives, maybe he's just contradicting himself. But again, that none of that works. There's no way around it. Jesus tells you to hate those whom you love, just like Abraham hated Isaac, whom he loved. This is the stomach-turning message that Jesus stopped the crowds to tell them about.
This is what you've gotten yourself into, he says. This is what you've signed up for. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense even as we see Abraham and Isaac alive walking down the mountain. It doesn't make sense because knowing what happened up there, what could possibly be left between them? What trust? What love? It's all been destroyed. But that, you see, is the point. That is the example of Abraham, the man of faith. You can't love anyone until first you love Christ. And you can't love Christ until first you've given everyone else up. And so Abraham, walking down that mountain, found that whatever love he had had for Isaac before was just an illusion. He thought he could love Isaac, but he hadn't reckoned with sin. Sin which doesn't just separate us from God, but separates us from one another. Abraham learned that he couldn't get to Isaac without going through Jesus, and that he couldn't get to Jesus without sacrificing Isaac. But once he'd given up Isaac, once he had Christ, Abraham found that he received Isaac back better than before, not as a son to whom he had given life, but as a son whom God had raised from the dead. This is now your life. This is what you have signed up for. Every day you find yourself atop Mount Moriah, and Jesus asks you every day to hate those whom you love. And it isn't a trick question, and it isn't torture. In fact, it's salvation. For God so loved the world that he hated his only begotten Son. God sacrificed everything he had so that he could love you perfectly. And when he asks you to do the same, it's not so that he can deprive you, it's so that he can rescue you. It's so that you can really have all the good things that he means to give you. It's so that you can love all the things that you thought you loved. That's something that only happens in Christ. In just a moment, we're going to hear about how the Eucharist is the marriage feast of the Lamb. And it's no accident that it's a marriage feast, because in a marriage, husband and wife swear to forsake all others, to be united to each other alone. And that's what happens to you when you come to this altar. You come as poor sinners, separated from God and from one another, and you receive the sacrifice of Jesus, which redeems you, which restores your relationship with God, and restores your relationship with one another in the body of Christ. This is the only place that real love is found. The Eucharist is the only place there is real love. That's what Abraham received when he came down the mountain with Isaac. And that is what Jesus wants so desperately 
to give to his disciples, to give to you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.